Welcome to the Organizing Ideas Podcast. I'm Allison Jones. And I'm Karen Ng, and we are two new librarians and your hosts for this podcast. Together, we're going to be taking a closer look at the relationships between organizing information and community organizing. We are recording today on the unceded and ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. So this first episode will be an introduction to us, what we want to talk about, and what we envision this project to be. It's going to be very conversational in nature while we figure out the technical and logistical um, steps into making a podcast. So Allison, do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm Allison. I use they, them pronouns, and I recently finished my master's in library and information science at UBC, and I'm now working on call as a librarian at Burnaby Public Library and West Vancouver Memorial Library. How about you? Uh, so yeah, my name is Karen. I use she, her pronouns, um, and I'm a library and archives student at the University of British Columbia. Uh, this summer, I'm doing Ask Away, which is a virtual reference service that we have in British Columbia. So yeah, I'm doing that a lot, which I'm kind of enjoying. I didn't think I would enjoy reference so much. Uh, but other than that, I've been doing this summer a few other projects that we have for school, like 120 hour projects for course credit. And so I can graduate next spring. Um, and I just finished a little bit of traveling in June. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I'm a library student and I'll graduate in spring 2020. Yay! So exciting. Mm -hmm. So Karen, the people want to know, how did you decide to go to library school? Yeah, it was mostly fear. Because <laughs> I, I did an English degree in medieval studies, also at UBC. And then I went straight into this program because I wasn't sure what to do. Uh, and it seemed like a logical step like if you like books and reading you spend a lot of time as an English major in the library but I also worked a lot at UBC library in different departments I started off in the program services office with the community engagement librarian so that was really interesting to see the kind of work that librarians did that wasn't related just to books because it was very people and community oriented um, and I actually never wanted to be a librarian when I was little like I grew up going to the public library a lot um, but I remember just actively thinking, like, I don't want to be a librarian, but, you know, here I am. But it, um, I think going to library school, it was a lot of fear of not knowing what to do next and just kind of seeing, as an English major, it seemed like um, a kind of adjacent-ish field, if we can call it that. Um, and also, I was really lucky to be working in different departments, and so I had some really cool mentors and supervisors that kind of encouraged me to go into this field because it is quite broad so I was able to I am able to explore a lot of interests this way yeah so why did you decide to come to UBC well actually as a, as a kid I also spent a lot of time at the public library and I also didn't think I would be a librarian I did my undergraduate degree in Montreal at McGill University and when I graduated I moved back to BC and I worked for a few years for an uh, environmental legal charity named EcoJustice and I did fundraising, administrative communications work for them 
and I ended up running all of our online fundraising and communications. And in that job, I spent a lot of time with databases and spreadsheets and organizing information and also thinking about some questions that come up a lot in library school around like privacy and, um, you know, information technology and big data, things like that, and got interested in those topics. But I, I really missed working with people in that job. It was a lot of... Uh, working with my computer mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and my coworkers, but uh, kind of isolated. And so I, I knew I wanted to go back to school and train for something. And uh, I circled back around to this library thing because I was also, you know, I, you know, throughout my um, undergrad and since then I've been involved in a number of projects that have to do with like lifelong learning and both at Spartacus Books where I volunteer and during my undergrad I was part of this like adult education project. So library school seemed to combine a lot of those different interests in a kind of intriguing way. I'm really curious why didn't you want to be or like um, if you didn't think of being a librarian what were you kind of imagining you'd be doing? If I hadn't gone to library school? Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> I I toyed with the idea of going to law school because mm. I worked with all these lawyers at the yeah. legal charity and um, that also seemed like an interesting thing because they work with um, lots of different clients um, and get to, you know, kind of delve deeper into specific complicated issues and stuff like that. But I talked to a bunch of lawyers about what that work was like and I did a lot of thinking about it and I just decided it was not for me. It's a very, very stressful career Mm -hmm. path and uh, also I'm not really sure that I do at the core of my being. Uh, Actually, I'm pretty sure I don't at the core (laughs) of my being believe that changing the law is like the best way to make change in society. So um, I don't think I would have been able to sustain that very long. How about you? Um what I would be doing instead yeah um I wanted to be a writer for a long time I wanted to be a creative writing major and then near the end of my undergrad I also toyed a lot with I think I was really obsessed with the idea of academia and kind of the prestige that I kind of associated with a PhD in the humanities and um but my focus was I tried to really focus on book history, media studies, and I was really interested in linguistics that kind of brought me into English literature. Um, But what was most interesting to me about that was like, well, I was just really interested in, I think, that people aspect that we have with materiality. But yeah, I I never wanted to be a librarian when I was little because I remember talking to the children's librarian, like asking her, like, what do you do? And she was describing to me how she had to like know what we wanted to like we being children what we wanted to read and then she had to she was in charge of like buying those books and you know being updated like and current yeah and I thought that was just an incredibly difficult job because I was like there's so many books in this library and in this world how can you possibly know oh my god little Karen is so right (laughs) I was so so stressed out I was like I don't want to do that job (laughs) and also like when I got my library card and I remember we got to check out books and didn't have to pay anything because at the same time, my mom was taking me to the dollar store to teach me, like, if you give them a dollar and like a few more cents, you could get a keychain from the dollar store. And I was like, okay, this is how money works and wasn't that way in the library. So I, I do remember asking my mom, like, if we don't have to pay anything, how do the people who work here 
like survive and she was telling me how about how the public like library was government funded and I thought that was amazing but also it seemed unsustainable because I didn't understand how taxes like it just it seemed free in my mind and I didn't understand it and it just felt too good to be true and I was like well I don't want to work in this place that doesn't make any sense <laughs> these are remarkably insightful <laughs> I think it was, like genuinely yeah, thought you that really yeah thoughtful. you're it's I mean you still are <laughs> Yeah, but my, yeah, my impression of, a, of an adult librarian, one of my aunts, she's now retired, but she was a librarian. Mm. And my mom now, of course, loves telling me about these things as a kid that I would say. She's like, now you're a librarian. Ha ha ha. But um, <laughs> because I once asked her, I was like, did Auntie Kathy like go to school for that? And my mom's like, yeah, like she had to, you know, study to be a librarian. I was like, what do they even do in library yeah. school? Like <laughs> memorize the Dewey Decimal System or what? <laughs> And my mom was like, no. <laughs> but really, for a long time, that's kind of what I thought library school involved. Yeah. Like that. You know, people always make jokes about, like, learning how to shush people and yeah. stuff. And, you know, neither of these We are actually things. the ones being shushed, I think, <laughs> by patrons. <laughs> actually, very true. <laughs> yeah. I think once we got to library school, that's when we realized, like, oh, this is what we're doing. And I remember thinking, like, how did they accept me with my application? I must have just said all the wrong things but they were still like okay we'll take her in yeah in a lot of ways library school was not what I expected like also um you know as you said you are in the dual program yeah we have a dual program at UBC in a master's of archival studies so the MAS and then the MLIS which is master's of library and information studies yeah so you can do both at the same time Exactly. And I started in that program actually more interested in the archival side because I was Mm -hmm. very interested in local history and the history of labor movements, social movements, that kind of thing. Uh, And I thought, wow, this is so cool. I'm going to get to study all of that and then help people bring this knowledge of history, of political organizing into contemporary organizing, stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. So idealistic. In fact, (laughs) not at all what archival studies is about. And that surprised me too, because whereas libraries like our library courses ended up being a lot more about working with people than I envisioned. Mm-hmm. The archival side was really not. I found it very much more uh, academic and theoretical. A lot very we had like records or material object focus. Yes. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Like what constitutes archival materials yeah. and which ones do you keep and how do you preserve them? And uh, and I just it didn't light a fire in me. At all. <laughs> well, I also find maybe sometimes archival studies to be more interesting, but I mm-hmm. I like librarians or like the attitude that librarians have more. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that's why I'm in the duel. Yeah, totally, totally reasonable. The balance, I think, is an interesting one of, of doing a bit of both. Mm-hmm. So we've like you know, I just finished your two years into a three-year program. And my impression is that both of us have had like this lingering set of questions and debates that we've had as we've gone through library school. We d- we've had a lot of course courses together. Yeah. And, uh, and some of that is kind of what, what prompted me to think about doing a podcast because as I was coming approaching graduation there were still you know I still have a lot of questions there's still a lot of topics I feel like I want to learn more about um, or people that I would like to meet and discuss those questions with Um, and it kind of got me thinking about making a podcast so here we are I guess making a podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) and what you uh, when you approached me with this topic you had talked a lot about how libraries are not neutral which is what we have been discussing a lot in class too so now that 
in the workforce i will be approaching that the workforce how does the idea of libraries not being neutral kind of manifest or just like how do we deal with that because we see so many cases of it and the you know the one that really brought this to a head for me was that vancouver public library in december 2018 january 2019 yeah it became very publicly known that they had um, accepted a room booking from the feminist current and megan murphy who are you know very well-known transphobic author and publication online and when that room booking happened there was very mixed response in the you know library community on the listservs and in conversations with people Mm -hmm. in classes and at work about whether that was the right decision because it was really an instance where different values that libraries hold dear of intellectual freedom and being a space where people can share ideas no matter whether other people may find them objectionable as well as libraries' commitment to diversity and inclusion, Mm -hmm. which are in and of themselves very politicized terms when when choosing to use those words, came into conflict and VPL decided very much to go with the intellectual freedom approach without really acknowledging uh, the harm that that room booking did. And I think that for me was one example that really for me was like, you know, we need an avenue to talk about this and to, you know, prompt some of these conversations and encourage them because there don't seem to be a lot of venues where where they're happening in to a level of depth that I would mm-hmm. like to see. Like I, you know, I see the conversations on the lift serves, but they're often pretty surface level and, and pretty aggressive pretty quickly. And those might not be the best platforms to have those kinds of conversations too. So I guess we're hoping that the podcast can be a kind of platform for us to develop these discussions further and also talk to other people who might have more experience and who definitely have more experience and insight than we do. So the format that we're hoping to work with are discussion conversational between the two of us so we can kind of recap what we've been doing, some of our thoughts, and then also interviews and conversations with guests. So do you want to talk a little bit about kind of a dream guest that you know as an example of someone that you might that we might want to talk to yeah caveat being we haven't asked anybody really yet if they want to talk to us (laughs) but we're hopeful they will you know we're definitely hoping hoping to talk to other librarians and archivists and records managers people who are in this kind of professional sphere people who work in libraries um, and, and in those spaces, as well as people who are community members or organizers, activists, patrons, people who are, you know, engaging with some of the impacts of what libraries choose to do and how we choose to do it in their work and their lives. One example of someone who I would really, really love to talk to on the podcast is a friend of mine who is also based out of Vancouver. Her name is Laura Cuthbert. She works for Organized BC and she also has a project called Populous Maps. And so Laura's like a really incredible community organizer and she knows a lot of people who, who work in that sphere in BC and has a lot of really insightful things to share about power of collective organizing. And also she is really doing some incredible work around local histories and especially in relationship to power and oppression 
as an example, she has a project where she goes around the province helping digitize um, materials oh. in different small communities, especially ghost towns around the province, and encourage people to connect around those histories and, and share those stories with one another and find meaningful ways to remember them and, and bring them to life in, in new ways for, for new people. And yeah, I think it would be really interesting to talk to her a bit about how she goes about that work, how she sees that as related to the community organizing that she's involved in, and also how she sees the more traditional models of libraries and archives often mm-hmm. hindering, but also maybe helping with that kind of work. So Yeah. Yeah. Because we both, well, you have you have your degree now, but I guess by we'll, we're both library students and we both went to grad school. But I think a lot of people who do this kind of work don't necessarily have to have a graduate degree to be involved totally. in like library and archival studies or just cultural memory heritage work. Yeah, so I think someone that I would love to talk to is Michelle Caswell, who's a she's a faculty member at the University of California in Los Angeles. And we have read a lot of her work in a lot of our classes because uh, she writes on community archives and dismantling white supremacy. But also there's a lot of of our classmates and friends that I would also really like to talk to because yeah. I think they're just really smart and creative and they have a lot of thoughts and I would just love to pick their brain. And some of my friends are not in library or archival study school, but they're still doing really good work around the city, a lot more organizing than I personally am. So I would love to, to talk to them. And I think it would be, you know, my impression when I talk to people who have been in this field for a long time is also that there is a desire to hear some of those new voices and and new ideas. I definitely have found it in the places where I've started working. People are really curious, like, what do you learn about these days in library school? And Mm. how's it changed since I was there? And I think that bringing in some of those new ideas would be really interesting for those folks. As well as, you know, obviously we're stoked to talk to the Michelle Caswells of the, you know, the inspiring and, and really well-known people. Mm-hmm. So what kind of topics? We did a lot of brainstorming. So maybe we can uh, go over some of the topics that we're hoping to cover. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, Karen kind of mentioned this before, but we are envisioning, a you know, a mix. Sometimes we're going to have interviews with other people and sometimes it'll be the two of us reflecting mm-hmm. on things. So a topic that I am really interested in I mean it and it relates to the creation of this podcast is I would love to have a chat together about um, transphobia in library school and also in the workplace you know some of the ways that that manifests some of the ways that that manifests in the way that we catalog materials or apply subject headings or make things findable but also how it affects people's you know experiences when they come into the library mm-hmm. or their impressions that might make them not ever come into the library yeah. <laughs> some yeah. of that stuff and I definitely have lots of thoughts to share with people who might be thinking about going to library school who are trans yes. about what that experience yeah. was like for me and you know what it may or may not be like for others um, so that's something that I would really like to talk about at some point mm-hmm. yeah how about you do you have a topic you're really itching to Oh, um, well, I've been thinking a lot about reading rooms. So also just a little bit about what you had just mentioned, because mm. I've been working a lot in special collections. And that's sort of an area that I've, I think I've been kind of, so rare books and special collections is sort of like, um, kind of like a field that you can pursue in librarianship. There's a lot of different fields such as cataloging or 
public librarianship, academic librarianship, and special collections is another one. And I see a lot of value in special collections because I think what we can constitute is what we define as rare or special um, should be really flexible. It doesn't always have to be a medieval manuscript or like an antiquarian book, which is how I was introduced to it because of my undergrad. Some fancy old Bible thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and obviously the reading rooms where we are where we sit to look at these things can be they're usually very beautiful but I think they're also really intimidating and it took me a really long time to feel even just a little bit comfortable in them and I see a lot of value in special collections because I think that people especially people who might not always see themselves represented in libraries can find a sense of home and belonging or just representation or recognition of their existence here um I think there's obviously a lot of issues with what we decide to collect and keep behind, you know, library doors and like locked away in our vaults. Um, but I think it's a very interesting space. Um, so reading rooms are interesting because you can't ever have people access stuff if they don't feel comfortable mm -hmm. physically. So, yeah, even though we say that we might be open to everyone or to the public, the people might not perceive it that way. So I'm interested um in in reading room spaces cool you know oh, there's just so many great topics that we're going to talk about because that's going to be super interesting we've also talked about doing some episodes where we like debrief conferences or mm -hmm. coursework or different things you know projects at work things like that and, and delving into a little bit about what those like what those yeah. are like for people who might not have experienced them I'm really excited about talking about some internet politics and stuff like that oh, which yeah. I think people find really fascinating you know this is a this is one of my favorite topics that we discussed in library school and it's something that I think whenever I bring up with people who maybe otherwise have no interest in the fact that I'm a librarian right. they're very curious about like the politics of Wikipedia or Google searches oh, or yeah. um, you know the new Amazon Alexa and like all this kind of stuff blah 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 yeah uh, and I think it would be really interesting to talk about some of that stuff I think I think we got some uh, good things coming up here for people yeah like maybe current events too or just things we see on twitter because i think yeah twitter is its own bubble but i think it's still a valid thing yeah i mean i've probably have learned as much from twitter throughout my time in library yeah, school as the courses that i've done because people have a lot of interesting conversations yeah. on there there's a very active library community yeah like that community aspect it's i think we hear a lot about the the potential guests that we've put uh, that we've brainstormed through Twitter. Yes, definitely. Um, mm -hmm. Which also I think, you know, is uh, something we're going to have to navigate is how do we find folks who might not be on Twitter or very active online. So we welcome your suggestions and your recommendations for who we need to be talking to or what we need to be talking about that's outside of our blinders and um, areas and suggest yourselves too. Mm-hmm. We want you. Do we have an email? We do have an we email. email. Organizingideaspod at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter at OrganizingPod. And then we also have a website, which is currently quite bare. But we'll have more and more as we create episodes. And that is also OrganizingIdeasPod.wordpress.com. Mm -hmm. So come find us there. Until next time. Cool. Woo. Have a great day. <laughs> Do we have a better outro than that? <laughs> well, you're going to have to write one. Okay. Cool. <laughs>